you have to take SEO into account when you're writing your web copy because people are searching online and, you know, Google reports like something like 51% of shoppers will research a product online before making a purchase. So if you haven't considered your SEO, then you're just not going to be found by those people. They're not going to come across your product. Hello and welcome to Smart Online Marketing, where I chat to switched on entrepreneurs and experts to chat about smart strategies to build your business in a profitable and sustainable way. My name is Katie Griffin and I am in the digital marketing game. I specialize in Google ads and I've worked one-on-one with clients such as Showpost, Woolmaker Law and Snuggle Honey Kids. And I also have my own course teaching small businesses how to grow profitably using Google ads. If we haven't met before, I'm a kombucha-loving Real Housewives apologist alongside my love of all things pop culture, and yes, that does include the Kardashians. I'm a mum of two, a self-confessed hippie at heart with a love of all things business. On today's episode, I'm joined by Nell, who is an e-commerce copywriter and the face behind Fake Creative. Now, Nell works with online brands to help them transform really boring, bland, generic web content and product descriptions into personality-packed copy, and that's designed to turn your browsers into buyers. And in this chat, we talk about how to develop a tone of voice for your brand and let your product speak for themselves, especially in the absence of being able to touch and feel your products, you need your words to sell your products for you. So we talk about writing product descriptions, not only for people, but also for Google and getting really good organic rankings. So being SEO friendly, we talk about how Nell got into copywriting and then how e-com stores can differentiate themselves and help their words sell. I think you're going to love this chat, so let's get stuck in. Okay, well, thank you so much, Nell, for joining me today. Can you give everyone a bit of a background on who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'm actually really happy to be here today. So my name is Nell Casey. I'm the founder of Fate Creative, which is a copyrighted agency, and we work primarily with e-commerce brands to help them with um, web copy and blog content and marketing material and all that kind of stuff that you need to run business online these days. (laughs) So I've been a copywriter now for six years and Fake Creative is a bit new, but before that I was working on my own, under my own name. So just created something to kind of bring it a bit more together and and create something I can grow, yeah, and help more e-commerce clients get online. Yeah, definitely. I think when you have an e-commerce business, the copywriting is kind of something that gets forgotten sometimes, especially when it comes to, like, I can see you <laughs> nodding along. Before we dive into that, I do want to understand like, when you say you've been a copywriter for six years, how did you get into copywriting? Yeah. So I actually took the long route to copywriting. I never really thought that that was what I was going to be. I didn't do journalism at uni. I did a degree in international relations with a major in Indonesian. Oh, wow. Yes. (laughs) So I always thought that I was going to be a career public servant. Yeah. So after that, I went and worked for a federal government agency as a, what they call an open source analyst. It's kind of a spy, but (laughs) which is what I like to tell people. It is a spy agency. Wow. Yes. But I actually went online to find information. So it was all about gathering information, translating it and putting it together to send off to other agencies within government. So I kind of think that that background has helped me do what I do today. 
Yeah, I was going to say, like, that's sort of not dissimilar what I would anticipate that you kind of do at the moment where yes. you are scouring websites and your clients' stuff for yes. ways to put that into practice on their website and sell yes. their products. So yes. <laughs> even though it sounds like it's completely out of left field, it kind of matches. It absolutely does. And I, I think when you sit there and you're like, how do I make my background work for what I do now? Like, does it apply? And I really sat there with it and I was like, no, it's actually basically what I do. <laughs> it's yeah. Just, it's the same thing. But I think instead of writing for corporates, I write for creatives and that's just a bit more fun. <laughs> and then when you become a copywriter, because there are a lot of avenues that you can go down in that path, what made you specialize in the e-commerce side? Yeah. So when I first started, I i mean, I actually didn't even really know what a copywriter was, to be honest. When I first started writing online, I was just like, oh, I can get paid to write. <laughs> this is amazing. So I really started off just doing what I could get and working with a variety of clients and some were service-based, some were product-based, some were more, you know, your SaaS businesses, so software as a service. And I got a really good variety of clients. And then as I worked with more clients, I realized that actually what I really enjoyed was e-commerce brands. Mm. And I think that there's a few reasons for that. But one of it really, I think, is that creativity. So, you know, when you write for a service-based business, you have to really understand their voice because you can't have, you know, the website in one sort of brand voice and one tone. And then when their clients meet them, they're like, oh, you don't anything like what I expected. Mm. That's a bit, you know, it's not going to help build that trust. But with an e-commerce brand, particularly one that's either starting out or really looking to differentiate themselves online, there's a lot more creativity to go, okay, it doesn't have to sound like the founders or the people behind the business. Actually, we could create something that's really interesting and dynamic and fun. And that sort of experience can continue throughout the brand because the face of the brand, I I guess, is the product itself rather than an individual, you know, who's behind the scenes. So it's kind of a, you're developing a personality for the product set rather than for a person, which can be harder to develop a tone of voice for a person once they already have their own tone of voice as well. Yeah. And I think it doesn't always work out like that. I think there are definitely brands where the founder and the product itself are really intertwined, but it is that ability to separate the two that I really enjoy. And I think that the client's come to me for that reason as well. They're like, well, you know, I have this product and I love it and I really want to get it out there, but I want to sound different. It doesn't have to be me. Maybe they're a bit shy or they don't want to be the front face of the business, but we can create a brand that is the face of the business and the face of the product. And it can be as outgoing as as it needs to be without, you know, feeling like it has to sound like the founder. And with e-commerce in particular, because particularly if you're a pure online store, you really have to overcompensate for the fact that people don't get to touch and feel your products in store. And even now during all the lockdowns and stuff like that, that your online has to really speak quite clearly to be able to get people to be invested and want to buy your products. Do you find that you have to work that extra bit hard if you are an e-com brand online? 
Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, when we think about, you know, I guess traditional modes of shopping, which is where people go into a store and they they get a feel for the space. There's music playing, the layout of the space conveys a certain feeling, how the customer service people talk to them, the, how the products are laid out. They can touch the products, they can feel the products. It's a really immersive experience and you don't get that with an online business. So in fact, you have to manufacture it. And that comes through, you know, it's your photography, it's the layout of the website, it's the ease of that use. But really, it's going to come through with the content, because that's that story that you're telling, that's that message that you're sending through the business. So how do you stand out? How do you do that? Well, you know, really, it comes down to creating a strong brand voice. So it is about telling that story through words, yes, through images, of course, but you have to really dig deep into who your brand is, what your brand stands for, and how you can convey that in a, you know, a flat surface, essentially, through a screen. And what are some of the don'ts of copywriting for e-com? Is it like I know that copying manufacturer descriptions straight from a website, not only from an SEO perspective, but I'm sure from a copywriting perspective, that is a big no-no. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I mean, first of all, who wants to sound like everyone else on the internet? And that's the big thing is like, if you have just copied the manufacturer's product descriptions and, you know, your quote unquote competitor has done the same thing, then what's separating the two of you is probably going to come down to price and nobody wants to compete on price. That's not the place you want to be playing in. So, you know, for a brand, particularly if you're a reseller or if you're selling a product that's quite similar to um, other products out there, because let's face it, there's a lot of candle brands out there. There's a lot of clothing brands out there. There are a lot of skincare brands out there. And what separates them really is the story that they tell about their products and how they convey that to their customers. And can you do this Because one question that comes to mind is if you're a retailer of other people's brands or other people's products, how do you distinguish that? Or is it really your sweet spot would be doing it for people that have their own, are their manufacturer, that have their own brand or range and are not a retailer? Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think you can do both. And we've seen the success of that with brands like, you know, Adore Beauty where they have, Mm. they're just resellers of other brands but their story is about, you know, we are a beauty hub. And, you know, if you go onto their website, they have hundreds of articles that tell that story. They want people to, you know, be able to find the right product for them, choose the right skincare. And they essentially creating and establishing themselves as a beauty hub for people. And they're a reseller. You know, I have looked on their products. They do have some manufacturer descriptions, but they have really tried to create their own product descriptions because, again, they've established that that is important for their brand and that is that they are a trusted provider. So if you walked into, say, Maya or David Jones and you walked up to one of the you know, consultants there and you said, these are my skin concerns and they would take you through that. Adore Beauty have to be able to do that in an online space because they don't have front-facing consultants. Yeah. So each of their product descriptions has to tell you how the product works, what skincare concerns it's going to help with and, you know, how you use it and who it's for. And they really have to, you know, do that on a large scale to be able to sell the same products that you could find on any other website or in store. And that sounds like, I mean, if you have a small product range, that could be quite a doable task if you don't currently aren't currently using those techniques. If you kind of are using manufacturer descriptions or your product descriptions, if they're your own products, you know, they're a bit ho-hum. But if you have a big product set, that I'm sure that can seem like a really overwhelming task. 
what are some tips that you have for people that are kind of facing that challenge of rewriting some product descriptions or rewriting copy on their website? Where do they start? Oh my gosh, this is like (laughs) the challenge. (laughs) Um, And I have written, I've worked with clients where they have had hundreds of product descriptions that need rewriting. And it is a mammoth task. Like, Mm. you know, even as a copywriter, when I'm getting paid for it, I'm still like looking down the barrel of it going, this is quite daunting (laughs) to get this all done and, and to stay engaged with the process. Because I tell you what, the first 10, 20, you're rolling, you're feeling great. The 200th, you're kind of like, oh my God, can I write about another product that's like (laughs) slightly similar to the last product I wrote about? So I get it. And really, I mean, the way I break it down, and this would be my advice for anyone who's tackling this project is to, first of all, separate your priorities. So kind of say, all right, maybe I want to write my top 20 products, the ones that I know I sell the most. Because if you can rewrite them in a way that's much more engaging, much more interesting, a little bit more information to help people decide if it's right for them, then you're going to see an increase in sales and therefore profit. So, you know, tackle the top 20, then maybe work your way down to the ones that get the most traffic because, you know, oh, well, I already know people are looking for this product. Let me rewrite the product description so that more people can buy it, again, increase your profit. Because I would never say to someone, undertake this exercise without the view to increase profit because Mm. what's the point otherwise? And I know from experience that if you start to see results from this, you're much more likely to continue because it's fun, you know? Yeah. That's the point. It's rewarding. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, my God, look, I sold 20 of these last month, rewrote the product descriptions and sold 10 more than I normally do. I mean, that's a 50% increase on one month. This is amazing. Let me keep going, you know, Mm. and not seeing that results. And it's going to be much more difficult to justify spending the time or the money getting that done. I was going to say, and you touched on it there, what are those metrics you can use to evaluate the performance difference of your copywriting? Like, do you recommend doing it in that way that you can, okay, focus on your top ones and then come back and evaluate your performance month on month or quarter on quarter and then do the next lot? Like, what are some of those metrics you look at? Yeah, look, you know, it's difficult for me sometimes because I'm often just brought in for part of the project for me personally to track, but I think every business should be tracking their core metrics. And so for an exercise like this, I mean, you should know as an e-commerce business, what are your best sellers? How many do you sell on average? What's your average cart value? So, you know, how many products or what's the value of the products that people add to their cart and check out with each month? Because if you can track these, then you can improve these. Mm. Uh, And that would be really the goal of any kind of marketing or copywriting project is to kind of go, well, here's where we are what can we do to improve this? So, you know, getting back to your questions is, yeah, if you're tracking your current sales on certain products and then you focus on improving those ones that you know are kind of doing well or actually maybe I've got a lot of stock of that one, let's see if we can get that one running out the door next month and you can see the increase, then you know. You know what's working in your business and you can replicate that across the other parts of it. Yeah, I like to say that there's power in those numbers that... Mm you can make smart decisions based on what the data is telling you and what the numbers are showing you. So I think things like evaluating to make sure what's the conversion rate on that page or that product or how many, like you said, how many did you sell last month compared to after the product description rewrite? When you're talking about an e-commerce website, apart from 
product descriptions, what are those other areas of a site that really do need to stand out and be, I mean, ideally everything, but what are those key pages that need to speak to your consumer, your target market? Well, I think for me, the first page is the homepage. If you have a confusing homepage, then you're not going to get people heading off to the other sites of your website. They're just going to leave. So if I was doing a copywriting project, I spend a lot of time optimizing that homepage and also your about page. It is often one of the second most visited pages on your website. Probably not as high for all e-commerce brands because people do tend to come and visit product pages quite frequently, but it's the page that's meant to tell your story. It's meant to bring people in. It's meant to make them feel like they're part of your community and that they are connecting with your brand. So if you have a kind of an about page that starts with so-and-so was founded in 2019 and now we do blah, 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 uh, it's kind of not that engaging. But if you talk to the person that's visiting your website and you say, you know, we created this brand because we understood that there wasn't this type of product for this type of person out there, so we wanted to make it. And suddenly it's like, oh, they're they're talking to me, (laughs) you know, that's what I want to do. So, you know, any kind of project, that's where I would focus on. And the other part of it that I think is really important for a lot of e-commerce brands to create is bias guides or similar kind of pages. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I've seen them do amazing things for a brand's conversion. Can you speak a bit about what they actually are? Yes, I love them. <laughs> I yes, love please. bias guides. <laughs> you know, take a blog post, an ordinary blog post, and like just put it on steroids and that's a bias guide. And the whole point of them is to educate customers who are maybe not ready to buy. They might be in that research phase about the different products that are available to them, the benefits of them, the features, who it's for, how they can choose the right one for them. You know, and I've done it for like products from wheelchairs. Oh, wow. Uh, Yeah. That was one really, no, I loved them. Um, (laughs) uh, Mobility Aids provider. They were great. But, you know, you can do it for products that are, I guess, technical, but you can do it, you know, for say clothing. You have a buyer's guide, how to choose the right dress to go to a formal, you know, and you can talk about this stuff in a way that you're not selling and that's really key. You're actually educating Mm. and if you can be the brand that educates people around different types of products, makes them feel really empowered to choose the right thing for them, suddenly they're going to trust you to deliver the product and they're going to go from that buyer's guide to go, huh, I really actually know how to choose the right one for me now, off I go to the product pages to find it. Yeah, I love that because I think thinking back to my own experience of purchasing things, there can be quite a lot of choices and be quite overwhelmed. Like what actually do I, particularly around like the beauty and the skincare and stuff like that. And if you do have a buyer's guide on, this is how you choose which product is right for you and not necessarily be have an angle of trying to get the sale on the first go, but just trying to develop that no like, and trust. I think is a great idea. And do you think, like, I don't know if I see them around a whole heap. No. And I think that they're often forgotten about, but we have to remember that there are different stages in that buying process. And like, Katie, you would know because you would do a lot of this with the Google ads. You have to consider where people are out in the buying process and what keywords you're going to be using and, and you know, what people need to find at that stage. So a buyer's guide really hits that research face 
they're not ready to buy, they're still understanding if they even need a product to solve their problem or what products that looks like. So it's a bigger funnel. And if you can get people in, then, you know, they're on your website, they're educated, they're ready to buy now. Yeah. And I think that, like you mentioned, from a paid ads perspective, they're all things that you're definitely looking at people in different stages of the funnel. And with paid ads, you're better off going after people that are kind of in the mid to later stages of the funnel. But with copywriting and organic content, you can actually take someone from that top of funnel to the mid funnel. So it's a way to to take people through that buyer's journey without necessarily having to pay for that that click straight up with paid ads because often using paid ads to drive to like a buyer's guide or a strategy, uh, more of an informational-based post, isn't going to provide that revenue on the front end. So you do need to have other ways on your site that you're then going to convert them. Yep. When you're talking about developing that tone of voice, that can often, and even for me, that automatically is like, but I don't know what my tone of voice is. Like, how do you develop that? Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways that you can get to it. But I think a lot of copywriters in particular will use a pretty similar process, which is where you want to understand not just, you know, how we want to sound. because I can't tell you how many people come to me and say, I want to sound like Frank Body or go to. Yeah, um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, was gonna, I was gonna ask you what are some yeah. examples. We'll talk about yeah. that later. But yeah. I could imagine that you're just like, I can't make you sound like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, it's really important to understand your brand values. So what do we stand for? What's the purpose behind what we do? It doesn't have to be lofty ambitions, but if you don't understand the foundations of your brand, it's going to be really hard to create anything on top of that. So, you know, the first step is to say, well, you know, who is our brand? What do we stand for? Who are the customers that we serve? And what do they want? And what do they need? And what are they searching for? And what are they worried about? Because if you can understand all that, then you're just building on top of that. And so, do you actually are talking to, if you're doing it yourself, you're talking to your past customers, you're asking mm. them, you're interviewing them. And then if you're hiring like a copywriter like you, you're doing that process for them. Is that yeah. like a good way to do it? Yeah, absolutely. And the more that you can pull from your customers or your potential customers, the better this process is going to be. And that might look like going through your past testimonials or reviews, particularly if you've got lots of them, you'll start to see consistencies in what people say about you and about your products. And, you know, literally I will have a document open and I will copy and paste. I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, so-and-so said that, copy, paste. Yep. Yep. Great. And you start to see patterns and they can start to help you understand not just what your brand is about, but how people perceive your brand. And you might decide, actually, I don't want to sound like that. I don't want to be like that brand. We want to be different. We want to be seen a different way. And what makes a good tone of voice or a, a compelling one, it comes down to that anyway. Yeah. Come yep. down to your, your customers and your clients and that sort of stuff. Because if you're trying to sell with a different brand message, then you're actually attracting. Yep. Yeah. That's hard though, Nell. <laughs> it is really hard. And I would say to any business owner, particularly who's undertaking this exercise is you're not going to get it done in a day. So forget about that. It's not going to come from, you know, a single workbook. You, you're you going to have to sit with it. And I have done this exercise myself. I've worked with a, a coach. I have spoken to brand strategists because there are a lot of different people that can help you through that process. But, you know, if you kind of like, look, I need to get my website up and I need to get something together. The other way that I would do it, and this is the nice like kind of shortcut, I think if, particularly if you're newer and you're still figuring out what your brand stands for, is to imagine your, your brand is a person. 
just be like, you know, my brand is, I don't know, Lady Gaga. Okay, great. What adjectives would I just use to describe Lady Gaga? Like she's out there. She's bold. She's not afraid to speak her mind. Write them all down and then think about, okay, well, if a brand sounded like that, what would they sound like? Mm, I love that. Yeah. And part of that exercise is people want to connect with people. And even if you're, you know, selling a product, people want to feel like there is a name and a face behind it. And that doesn't always mean you have to put your face on the website, but they want to kind of be like, oh, I know that someone is building this and creating this. And when I email them with a problem, there's going to be a real person there to help me out. So yeah, the more you can make your brand feel like a real entity, the much better it's going to be for building that connection. And what are some examples of brands, apart from the really well-known ones, that are really killing it with their copywriting? Oh, gosh. There's a few out there that I really would think of. And I kind of have a list of ones that I do like to go to for different types. I mean, yeah, go to for me as an example of a brand that has essentially they know their voice and they know their customer. And if that is because it comes from Zoe Foster Blake, the founder, and she really knows what it takes to create a brand as a human because she's worked in magazines. Mm. And that's the thing. Like if you have worked on editorial or you've worked in that kind of industry, you understand that consistent voice really matters because every one of those magazines out there, they have content guidelines for every single one of their writers to kind of sit down and read and go, huh, this is what we have to sound like. These are the words we use. These are the words we don't use. And that's how they manage to get that consistency. There's a really clear, distinct voice and it goes through all the EDMs. It goes through all the website copy and the packaging and the instructions and it goes through all of it. So do you have to be really consistent when you do have that tone of voice and that brand? You have to be really consistent that it touches all aspects. It's your social media. It's your customer service replies. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's like liken it to, you know, say you're chatting with someone like online and, you know, they're like, they seem like this really, really nice person. And you're like, great, let's meet up in real life. And you get there and they're really abrupt and short. And you're like, where did this come from? (laughs) You know, this is not the person I was talking to. And that can often come through when, for example, your social media is really fun and outgoing and you're like, you know, here we are, this is what we do, we're super fun. And then your like sales confirmation emails are like, your order is here. Yeah. um, Where's that fun bubbly brand that I fell in love with online and then I'm getting emails from them and often it is because people just use the template. But, you know, if you don't have that consistency, there is that ability for people to kind of go, "Uh uh-huh, what? This is not the brand I was expecting. This is kind of weird now. And any kind of break to that relationship can erode that trust that people have in you. Yeah. And I think you were saying before how you've worked with like brand strategists and, and coaches and that. It can be really a lot easier often for a person with a no ties to the business to have a bird's eye view and really capture things in a way that you want to articulate, but you can't really get there because you're too in it. Do you find that as well? Yeah. And often I will have, you know, part of my process with clients is that I I take them through this questionnaire and we talk about their brand and their values and who they are. And sometimes they'll kind of go, huh, I never really thought about this. And it helps to consolidate something that they hadn't put into words or they're forced to think about 
how they want to come across in a certain way. And it can be really eye-opening to have those questions asked of you and go through that process because it gives you a better understanding of what you're creating and where you want to take it. Mm, Yeah. And when you are writing and you are doing your website and doing your EDMs and everything, particularly on the website, how can you also incorporate things like SEO best practices into your copy? Is that something you take into consideration when you're writing copy as well? Yeah. And it's, uh, it's such a balance because Mm. you're like, I want to be creative. I want it to sound amazing. I want to have this brand voice. Oh, but I have to use this keyword. (laughs) It's like, it is definitely a balance, but you have to take SEO into account when you're writing web copy because people are searching online and, you know, Google reports like something like 51% of shoppers will research a product online before making a purchase. So if you haven't considered your SEO, then you're just not going to be found by those people. They're not going to come across your products. So it is important and I get that it's a balance, but there is a way to do it. And, you know, that's really to think, well, when people search, they use real words. They type in maybe not full sentences, although voice search is now becoming a lot more popular where people pick up their phone and like, you know, Google, find me the local hairdressers. And, you know, that's kind of where we're going. But you can use those keywords in a way that makes sense. And it also allows you to come across, you know, your brand voice as well. So it's definitely important. <laughs> I know, I know. And it can be really hard because it you don't want to stifle the creativity and the the personality behind it. But I think that like you obviously have a way that you can do both and not be boring and bland just to satisfy search engines. Yeah, and it is a balance, but it's a way of, you know, first of all, we've got to know what our keywords are. We've got to know what people are searching for or how they're using those words to find the types of products that you want to be found for. That's part of the process. I love keyword research. Again, I think it's that analyst, <laughs> that analyst yeah. thing and the numbers thing. I'm like, maybe I'm in the wrong job. Like, maybe yeah. I should be a writer. <laughs> No, it's I, think, like, I think it's good though because it, it all yeah. ties together like all the different marketing platforms like SEO and ads and copywriting like it all goes together there's just different ways to attack the same thing yes yeah so you know first of all got to know what customers are using to find the products that we want them to find and then I tend to just write the copy first so it sounds natural and then look for ways to have either those keywords or synonyms so it doesn't always have to be like the exact phrase mm. that people use Google is getting super smart with their algorithm and they know how to essentially look for those keywords on your website and match them to whatever someone is typing into that search box. So, you know, yes, you want to use the phrases that people are using as close to as possible. Look, write it in a certain way and if you think about what that customer needs, what they might be looking for, how to serve them, you're essentially going to write optimized copy almost naturally. And then you just tweak a couple of things to make sure it's really well done. Yeah. So you get down kind of like what you want to say, and then you go ahead and like chisel it to make it Google friendly afterwards. Yeah. And honestly, it all comes down to knowing who your customers are. If you can't articulate who they are and what they need, you're not going to be able to even write the product descriptions or the content in the first place. So, you know, you're not going to hit on the right keywords for them either. Do you have clients that come to you that are like, I genuinely don't know this information and that you are like, you know, this is what I need before we can work together? Or do you walk them through that process? Sometimes it's a bit of both. I think if you really don't know who your product is for, then you probably don't know your product. 
well enough. But, you know, sometimes it can be like, look, I think it's for, you know, women aged 25 to 55. And I'm like, oh, that's, mm, that's a broad is that range. true? <laughs> um, so, you know, we can narrow it down. And there's some stuff, I guess, tricks that are out there, like looking at similar products and reading the reviews for those to get a sense for who's buying them and what they're saying about the product. I love going into Facebook groups that are dedicated to certain products. You are a spy. Man, it's like there's like a secret world out there of copywriters infiltrating Facebook groups to gather information in its proper spy networks. (laughs) That's so funny. (laughs) Yeah, but because what people say, that stuff is gold. You know, if you can get it out of the mouths of the customers that are going to be buying that product, you almost like don't need to write too much copy yourself. (laughs) It's just piecing it together. So before we wrap up, let's go over some like quick fire tips on writing. Let's stick with like product descriptions because I think that can be quite overwhelming. Yes. Just give us what tips we should do. Okay. Let's take the example. Let's say you've got to write 20 product descriptions. You know, I've got to get these products up. How am I going to do this? Right. My first thing would be to just jot down the benefits and the features of every single product. So features are like what it's made of, you know, does it have zips? Does it clip together? Like how it's made. Benefits are like, how does that help someone? And this could be like a dot point. It's like feature, zip. Benefit, <laughs> easy to do. Zips up, you up. Right? <laughs> like that's it. So just dot point those out as many as you can. Then think of the adjectives that you use to describe it. Is it soft? Is it fluffy? Is it silky? Is it firm? Is it sturdy? You know, get all those down again just dot point them out and then you'll start to see that you can piece things together. So it has a sturdy zipper. Great. Like suddenly I'm, I'm starting to piece a product description together. Then think about how is someone going to use it? Where would they take this? What could they wear it with if we're talking about an item of clothing? And that'll help with telling the story. And you really want to actually create that story in someone's mind of like, hey, if I buy this, I'm going to feel like this. It's going to help me in this way. And I'm going to be able to use it in this way. And suddenly they'll just, they wouldn't be able to live without it. Like you've convinced them. Like I cannot live without a zip. Yes. I cannot live without a zip up dress, like whatever it is. You know what I mean? It's, it can feel very overwhelming when you have a blank page in front of you, but if you can break it down. So yeah, features, benefits, adjectives, how, where, why would I use this? You've actually almost got the full content there and then you know just move it around make sense add a little bit of pizzazz to it or you know the tone of voice that you've chosen and it's that's what you need to write your product descriptions it sounds so simple <laughs> but don't undersell yourself I'm sure don't, that's such no, a honestly, process. Uh, that is a process that you're like oh okay yeah it takes sometimes it takes a while to, particularly with some products, you're like, I don't know how to describe this like small thing. How do yeah. I use it? So in, I know I said before we wrap up before, but before we wrap up. <laughs> okay. So if you're staring down the barrel that you need to do, you have really good copy on your site and you, you either have an existing site and you know, it's just not like cutting it right now. And you don't want to do it yourself. You don't have the skills or you don't want to. What do you look for when you're looking to outsource or hire a copywriter? Like, I'm sure that there's things that you look for when you want to partner with someone and tone of voice and how they write. Like how do you choose someone that 
is going to write that copy for you. Yeah, I think having someone that not necessarily understands your product, but perhaps understands your industry or what you're trying to sell. I mean, there are specialist copywriters out there, which is really, I think, helpful, particularly if you want someone who just who's going to be able to hit the ground running. And, you know, also that you kind of vibe with them. So visit a few websites, read through because a copywriter's website is their voice all the time. And so if you read through it and you're like, yeah, I'm going to get on well with this person, like, you know, you know, you're going to have a good working relationship with them. If you kind of feel like maybe I'm not going to be able to talk to them like openly, <laughs> you know, because the whole key to a, a copywriter client relationship is communication. Like, honestly, they want to be able to get information out of you. You want to be able to tell them what you need to tell them so they can do the job well. So, you know, look for someone that you think can do the job, but honestly, that you think you'll get on with. Mm. I think the human element is often underrated when it comes mm. to hiring a service provider that yep. you just genuinely don't want to see their inbox coming into, like their message coming into your inbox and you're like, oh, yeah, not this one. Yeah, <laughs> like, not this person. <laughs> yeah, you want to have a relationship that you enjoy, enjoy working with and um, you have to like their work, obviously. Yep. But if you're deciding between two people, like, do you get along with them as a person? Is a really good um, sense check as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a blast. And where can people find you or hire you, connect with you online? Give me all your links. Okay. So you can <laughs> stalk me online at fatecreative.com.au and that's F-E-T-E creative. It's like a party. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that name, by the way. Yeah, I, I really love it too. I didn't even know how I came up with it, honestly. But I was You're like, a copywriter. Yeah, I was like, I want it to feel fun. I want it to feel outgoing. That's a party. It's a fate. Yeah. Okay, great. I get it. I love it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm also on Instagram at Fate Creative. That's probably where I hang out the most. But, you know, you can also find me on LinkedIn if you kind of like that vibe. Uh, oh, you can find Nell in one of the many Facebook groups that she stalks. I stalk <laughs> so many Facebook groups. <laughs> I'm usually, I keep on the down low. <laughs> yeah. Like, there's Nell again, just yeah. lurking around. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you, Nell. It's been lovely. Yeah, I really enjoyed this chat. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, Nell. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It was an absolute blast to connect with Nell. And if you like what you've heard, make sure you subscribe and also leave a review. That would be so handy. And follow me on Instagram at katiegriffin underscore and hit up my website, sundaydigital.com.au if you would like any more info on how to get in touch. And I'll be in your ears in the next episode.